Oh, uh, here we go. Side coach shouts. Side coaching is usually done in workshops or classes where the instructor can feed in directions or points of focus for the on-stage participants to consider while having the opportunity to continue their scene. I've got a, a, a few side coach shouts that I'll share with you. And side coach line number one, look at your partner. This basic thing is so key that it's easy to forget. It happens to me too. Often I'll make what I think is a strong character choice and not look at my partner because I'm looking out the window or I'm too shy to look up from my shoes. But these are, more often than not, actor issues masquerading as character choices. And when you feel like you're not connected to your scene partner or you're unsure what's happening in the scene, a quick and effective remedy is to make eye contact. It'll immediately connect you to your partner and that will give them and you the info you need for where to go next. Plus, it feels good. Connecting more with your partner will clean up a huge chunk of your improv issues. Side coach line number two. One idea at a time. Sometimes when an idea arrives, we end up throwing out a whole bunch more ideas related to the first one. This is a type of riffing and can be a fun and energizing game for players in the audience, but just as frequently, it means racing past something intriguing to throw out a bunch more one-off gags. For example, say Dr. A mentions that the hospital is experiencing paranormal activity and Dr. B says, yes, there's that elderly Russian lady who haunts cardiology. There might follow a whole bunch more riffs off of this idea. Maybe there's a mysterious creaking in the hallway of the geriatric ward or a werewolf in the ER or the demon that haunts the dreams of those in intensive care, etc., etc. And it could be a lot of fun to build this supernatural hospital world just by yes-anding that initial offer. It's a fun game, no doubt. But after all those ideas come a-tumbling out, where do you go next? Just as easily as riffing on that initial offer, the players could zoom in on what they already have. What's the deal with the old Russian lady ghost? Maybe her name is Olga and she haunts cardiology because an incompetent surgeon killed her husband. Or perhaps she was a pioneer of open-heart surgery and she died of a heart attack. Who knows? The only way to find out is by exploring. Blasting through associative ideas might be good for a couple of laughs and can even be a fun scene. But it's not enough. It's not that slowing down is necessarily better. It's just that we should always be aware that we can go deeper into one idea rather than just trying to generate more ideas. The best way to do that is to slow down and focus on what you already have. Side coach line number three, not so fast. Often people rush through scenes, through lines, through moments. But by slowing down, we can let lines land, sit with silence, and allow tension and significance to build. Of course, if we wait too long or wait between every line, the improv seems safe and slow. But if we allow ourselves to be affected by our partners and let our characters process what they hear, meaning and drama accrues. For example, say, son coming in the door. Dad, I quit my job at the shoe store. Dad responds, Damn it, Kevin, we need that money. Now we're going to lose the house. I mean, that's perfectly fine. It's good even. But what if we try this? Son coming in the door. Dad, I quit my job at the shoe store. Dad stops. Looks at his son. Puts paper back up to his face and... <sighs> sighs deeply. Shakes his head. Then... Th then what? I mean, if he then starts yelling, it feels more dangerous. If he says anything at all, 
it's more powerful, more real than the quick fire return. And if he doesn't say anything at all, the tension keeps building. The idea that improv is only fast-talking, funny lines of one-upmanship is far too limited. If we stop and just let things affect us, the subsequent action has more depth. Side coach line four. Stop talking. In every improv class, there's someone who talks constantly in scenes, as if they're playing the percentages. The more I talk, the more likely it is that something good will come out of my mouth. But what actually happens is that everything is diluted. Nothing really means anything when it's just a relentless barrage of words. It's such a pleasure to see some variations in line length or improvisers who contribute a great deal to a scene without saying much. I, I saw a scene where the innocent new hire at an auto repair shop witnessed an unscrupulous scam. As an audience, we loved watching that character see the seediness take place, and she didn't even say a word. Even when a character is one of the central players in a scene, they can talk less. Side coach line number five. Repeat that. Sometimes offers get missed, and not only by the person on the receiving end. Sometimes the person giving the offer can say something and miss or undervalue the power in what they're saying. It surprises me how often people make potent, beautiful offers that they themselves miss. Of course, a scene partner can always have an emotionally resonant response to something mundane, but that power actually lies on both sides of the equation. When powerful offers are missed by either side, a scene can fizzle out or meander aimlessly. If you think something important has been missed, repeat it, or ask for it to be repeated. Side coach line number six. Make it worse. Often in improv, and all the time in real life, we try to control and improve situations. It's something we may have learned when we were younger and our parents were fighting, or at work when an email comes in telling us there's a problem with a project delivery date. Our immediate instinct is to try to improve things. One of the great things about improv is that we don't so much care about problems getting solved. If a character is a germaphobe, odds are pretty good that the other player will find some way to leave the windows open, lick spoons, or bring home a stray dog. If a high school science teacher is getting fired, she may end her last class by stealing all the magnesium or telling all of her students what she really thinks of them or something. I mean, she could just walk out with dignity and hope for a good reference from the principal, but it's probably more fun if she sets the couch in the break room on fire. Side coach line number seven. Go. This one I don't often shout at people in a scene, but I have shouted or whispered it to the people standing on the side during a group exercise. I can see their feet moving or their head turning around as if to say, doesn't anybody else see what the scene needs? Sure, they were recently in a scene, but the scene in the center is calling for a love-struck study partner or a nosy neighbor. You know it, nobody else is going, and your feet are already moving. Go in, be the thing, do the part, come on. Side coach line number eight, do the thing. Sometimes a simple situation is built up to be something more than it is. A guy worried about proposing, a bank teller not wanting to rob a bank, a politician debating going to war. Yes, sometimes this anxiety and very human reality can be what the scene is about. But sometimes it's just a way to prevent you from stepping into the unknown. And if it's just a way to keep you as a performer safe, 
Spare us the hand-wringing. Just fucking do it. Let's see what happens. Side coach line number nine. Feel it. So often we receive a stimulus and attempt to think our way out of it. We're like, what would be clever? Or what can I say that will yes and that idea? These aren't necessarily bad ways to approach it, although we can certainly argue that trying to think up something clever isn't always a great way forward. But to focus exclusively on these ways of thinking, we leave out something simple and powerful, the emotional response. Not an over-the-top reaction, but some feeling you might have. Maybe your scene partner says, well, I don't have rent for you this month. You can think your way through it. Mm, But now I'm going to have to take that promotion at work. Or just access a truthful emotional response. Anger, concern, frustration, or disappointment. Doesn't matter. Just take a moment to breathe and then react emotionally. Side coach line number 10. Speak up. Here's a very simple thing you can do to improve your improv. Speak louder. There's a reason we make a distinction between a whisper and a stage whisper. It's because a stage whisper is actually quite loud, designed to be heard throughout the entire auditorium, theater, or pub. A real whisper is usually reserved for just one other person. There's a similar distinction between talking and talking on stage. When you're performing, speak loud, louder than you think you need to. Practice with your friends and teammates to make sure you're all projecting. That's the technical term, enough. I'd say 80% of beginners and a significant percentage of improvisers who have been at it a while could all benefit from speaking up loudly and clearly. About 10% of the others need to stop shouting all the time. And the other 10% are doing just fine and, not coincidentally, probably have actual theater training. By the way, taking an acting class is also a great idea. Speak up, part two. Speaking up is also something you can do offstage. In note sessions, when something's going on you're not comfortable with, or if you have a great idea, or if you feel like you're being overruled unfairly, let it be known. This is different from being argumentative, because argumentative means you're not listening to or honoring the other person's point of view. That's not so good. Learn the difference. And instead, make sure you feel you're being respected and respecting other people, both on stage and off stage. It's not just about managing negative feelings either. If someone did something great, or if you saw something really click, share that appreciation. End of chapter.